Well, we've been looking at our sanctification, being sanctified. What does it mean to be sanctified? What does the word mean? Set apart. Very good. And there's three parts of our sanctification. The past, which is the freedom from the penalty of sin. The present, the, the, present, the freedom from the power of sin. And the future, which is the freedom from the presence of sin. And so we went to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Paul writes, And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Hence the, term, the title, holy sanctified. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, we went through these slides and we saw that we are a tripartite being. We are a body, soul, and spirit represented by the square, the circle, and the triangle. But we are a three-part being, the body. That's what carries us around, right? That's what you see. The soul, that's the real you, the mind, soul, and mind, will, and emotions, rather. And then the spirit, the God part of us, that... This is how man was originally created, but when man sinned against God after the fall, we are spiritually dead, but we're made alive in Christ. And I picture with partial, because we can be as it was before, as we submit to the Holy Spirit, the human spirit is quickened and then dwelt by the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't necessarily have control of all of us unless we submit to him. Now that's very important for us to realize and that the Holy Spirit has control of what we submit to him. Interesting, God gave man a free will. He gave Adam a will to choose to sin against him, and he's never taken man's will from him. So then we looked at sanctified in the Spirit. What does it mean to be sanctified in the Spirit? Our spirit, he quickened. He made it alive, right? And we're to remove all idols from our lives, 1 Corinthians 12, 2. And know that ye were Gentiles carried away under those dumb idols, even as you were led. And we said, in our lives, God needs to have his rightful place, right? We need to be, God deserves all of our lives. And, and there needs to be no idols. We need to remove all, anything that takes the place of God in our lives has become an idol, and we need to get rid of it. We talked about fearing the Lord or having a proper view of who God is so that we get a proper view of who self is. Then we talked about we need to edify others, esteem spiritual leadership, treat others appropriately, be joyful, pray, be thankful, continue listening to the preaching of the word, have a clear conscience before God. And then when we looked at where the focus of the spirit is, the soul and body will follow. Then we looked at these two slides. The humanistic view of life says, my feelings are what's most important. And when I have right feelings, then I'll do the right actions. I'll do the right things, which will then lead to the right thinking and then the right beliefs. But God says we need to start with what we believe. What do we believe, Christian? Do we truly believe the Word of God is real? 
what we're going to talk about a little bit on Sunday, during Sunday school. Remember we looked at that Barna study, and I told you I'd go back and see how many studies or how far we could go back on it? Well, without paying some serious money, we can't get all the studies. So I looked at some other things that they had on there, and very interesting, one of the statistics was how the belief that the Bible is accurate in all its teachings has dropped over the years. So we're going to look at that Sunday because I think that ties in with what we see happening overall in our society moving away from a biblical worldview because we've removed the belief, we've removed the teaching of God and then in people's lives we removed the belief in God. So our beliefs matter and when we believe right, we're going to think right. And we're going to talk about that, Lord willing, tonight as we talk about sanctified in the soul, having right thinking, which then is going to result in the right actions, which result in the right feeling. Let's talk about being sanctified in the soul. So if we're wholly sanctified, your whole spirit and soul and body. So the soul of man is your mind, will, and emotions, right? Okay. Now the Bible actually has a lot to say about being sanctified in our mind. So let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and, then, and these are familiar verses, but we're going to look at them and apply them tonight. Verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So that's talking about our bodies being a living sacrifice. But here's where it comes into the soul, or especially to the mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world. Don't be jello. Jello conforms to whatever mold you put it in. And the world wants us to be jello. I read an article where I read the headline, I skipped the article. This said, the United States under the fifth wave of COVID. I didn't realize we had three and four. I lost count after two. Saw again today, my wife was just showing me right before church, there's a baby formula crisis shortage. I'm not trying to be rude, and I understand some babies have allergies and have certain needs and whatnot, but we figured this out for thousands of years before we had baby formula. I don't... but. I saw somebody put a post on Facebook that had a recipe for making your own baby formula, and somebody chewed him out, saying, how dare you give that to babies? It's not the right manufactured stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, mm. okay, I'm going to get off that soapbox for a minute. The world wants you to think a certain way. And if you haven't noticed, in the last few years, the world wants you to live in fear and panic. You have been fast asleep. Why? Because a fearful people can, are an easily controlled people. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. You know why they hate us, Christian? Because as we're living for God, we refuse to live in fear. Doesn't mean we're being flippant or, you know, trying to kill everybody. We just choose not to fear because we know God is in control. And that's been part of the renewing of my mind that I no longer have to live in fear of everything. You know, the world is not coming to an end tomorrow. You know how I know? Because God said it's not. There's things that have to happen before he destroys this earth. Now, 
that does not negate our responsibility as human beings on this earth to be good stewards of the earth. But understand, we are stewards here of his property, right? So I'm to take good care of what is his. You know, I have had the privilege in the city of Havelock getting started what we call the Community Cleanup Alliance, which basically once or twice a year we go out and we pick up all the litter. You know, if we were all good stewards, we wouldn't have to have that alliance to clone and clean it up. It amazes me how many times somebody will drop something or litter and won't even just think about picking it up, you know. So, yes, we need to be good stewards of this earth. But the earth is not going to blow up tomorrow. All these meteors that keep saying, you know, are about ready to hit us and all this stuff. You know what? God is still in control. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to fit into the world's mold. But I'm to rather be transformed. So instead of being jello, which my daughter hates anyhow. I don't know why she hates jello, but it conforms to everything. Pretty neat stuff. But rather we're to be transformed. Now the word transformed is the same Greek word from which we get the word metamorphosis. Now, if you were to see this little caterpillar, unless you knew that that were the caterpillar of a monarch butterfly, what would you naturally want to do to that caterpillar? Squash it because they're ugly and they deserve to die. But when that little caterpillar goes into its cocoon and a transformation happens, it comes out beautiful like that big old butterfly there. How many of you want to squash that butterfly? When I was a boy, we used to take the butterflies and we pin them to the wax paper and all that. But that was part of the science experiment. So you could put them in the class, but that was a science experiment. Remember that? Anybody else do that? Take the butter? Okay. But other than that, you, you like the butterfly, right? So God is trying to take you and I, and I think that is a very good word to help us understand the transformation of our mind. We're no longer to think like the world thinks, the ugly caterpillar. We're to think like God wants us to think, like a beautiful butterfly. And it's interesting that as he changes the inside, the outside does change too, doesn't it? But we're to think the way God wants us to think. We're to be renewed in our mind because, okay, if I were to go up to somebody and start yelling and screaming at them, what's their natural reaction? The natural reaction is to want to yell back, right? If I go slap Troy upside the head, the natural reaction is to want to slap me back upside the head, right? Okay, but when we are renewed in our minds, slap me upside the head might still get the wrong result. But I'm trying to think the way God wants me to think and not retaliate is my point, okay? That renewing of our mind, the changing of our mind. So what we are as a Christian is different than what we were as a lost person. But the renewing of the mind has the idea of a complete change for the better. So change the way you think. Stop thinking the way the world tells you you are supposed to think. The other thing the world wants is every single one of us to be a victim. I'm a victim of circumstances. I'm a victim of my mama dropping me on my head. I'm a victim of, of this and that and the other thing. Look, you know what? We need to get rid of the victim mentality because God does not call us victims. He calls us more than conquerors. 
And so we need to think the way God wants us to think and stop living like victims and live like we are more than conquerors. We need to have a proper view of God as seen in the sanctification of the Spirit. So how do we renew our minds? Well, let's go back or forward now to Ephesians chapter 4. All right, so we're renewing our mind. How does this happen? It's Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 22, Paul writes, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed, get this, in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Okay, so we put off the old man, the former lifestyle, the old conversation. The lying, stealing, cheating, all the things we, that go along with the old man, we put it off. Now, here's what we typically teach and what we typically try to do. We try to put off and then just put on. But we miss the most critical step, and that is the step in between. Renew your mind. Think differently about it. You see, I can take a lemon tree, and I can go pull off all the lemons, and I can tape on some apples and say, that is now an apple tree, but it's really not, is it? What's going to happen to it? Yep, those apples are going to fall off, rot, and it's going to produce lemons again next year. Now, I don't think you can graft these two together, but let's just suppose you could graft an apple branch to a lemon tree. You would get something different, wouldn't you? The renewing of our mind. We put off the old, then we renew our mind. Change the way you think. Okay, I have a chart, and I did not make a slide for this, and it is not original with me, but it shows a tree. And basically it shows on one side of the tree you have all the bad fruit, on the other side of the tree you have all the good fruit. And what we try to do, again, is just take and change the fruit without changing the root. But changing the root is that step in between. So we take off the old. Okay, I'm not saying don't get rid of the old. We do. We get rid of the old, but then we renew our mind. How do I renew my mind? How do I change the way I'm thinking? How do I change the way I'm thinking? Change what I'm reading. Change what I'm doing. But let's get more specific then. So I'm obviously going to be reading the Bible. Okay, so let's say I got a, uh, uh, a problem with bitterness. So should all my focus be on all the verses related to bitterness? Yes or no? No. Okay, why not? Because you need to have the contrast. You need to find out what God wants for us to be happy. Okay, that is fantastic. So if I focus strictly on bitterness, it's like saying I need to control my appetite, but all I focus on is what's in the refrigerator. Okay, I need to get my mind off of what's in the refrigerator and focus on something else. Well, how do I do that? Well, what should be my focus? God, okay, fantastic. So, my mind is to be stayed on Jehovah, right? Is that not what Scripture tells us? Okay, so if I focus on God and His characteristics, then how can I see my bitterness against God? Follow what I'm saying? In other words, when I am bitter, let's say that's my sin, I have a problem with bitterness. I get bitter at everything. Okay, what characteristic of God does that go against? He's loving. 
His kind, compassion, His holiness, forgiving. Okay, so if I focus on these attributes of God and what He has to say about these attributes, is that going to change my thinking about the way I get so quickly bitter? Do you follow? My focus on Him is going to change the way I think. So, as I put off the old, I change the way I think, and now as a result the good fruit's going to happen. It's not just trying to tape on apples to a lemon tree. It's that the root has changed to where it truly has become an apple tree, if you follow my illustration. Because the way I think is different. When the root is different, the fruit will be different. But until I change the root, which is in my head, this mind, i got to change the way I think about things, We are all naturally selfish and prideful. But when we look at the kindness again, the graciousness, the giving, the love, the purity, the holiness, the sacrifice of God, is that going to change the way I think about self? Am I going to see, when I see God's holiness, Him high and lifted up, am I going to think I'm still so wonderful? No. My thinking, my changing my thinking of God is going to change the way I think about my sin. It's going to change the way I think about my life. It's going to change the way I think about the value of my life. It's going to change the way I think about how I should live. It's going to change my desires from those old things. I'm not going to desire them anymore because I'm going to think differently toward them. And I'm going to think, no, those things are bad. They're, They're evil. They're wicked. I want these things in my life. The good fruit. And it's not going to be so hard anymore as I renew my mind. This is being sanctified in our mind. And this is somewhere I think that we too often skip is the sanctification of our mind, being renewed in our mind. All right, let's look at another example. Let's say I get angry all the time. Well, I look at the fact that God is good, he's patient, he's love, he's merciful, he's supreme, and I examine these qualities of God, and I see how my actions and thoughts go against God, so I confess it as sin, Now, as I memorize verses, I can memorize verses about God's goodness, his patience, his mercy, his his love being the sovereign. And that's going to help change the way I think. See, I'm not thinking about the anger. I'm thinking about all these things that God has said I'm to think on, which sounds a lot like a verse in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, doesn't it? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was told to stop saying that. There, I did it again. I've been lying to you up to this point, so now it's time to be honest, right? So, (laughs) okay. (laughs) All right, there, I did it again. Man, I say it more than I thought I said it. And that really threw me off. So anyhow, filtering our thoughts, thinking on these things in which we are to think. What's true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, is not just going to affect the way we think about sin, but it's going to affect the way we think about everything in life. Okay, I shared with you earlier about the 
baby formula shortage and that we're in the fifth wave of COVID and that the Dow Jones Industrial took a huge nosedive today and that the world's falling apart. Should that change anything about the way I live? Should that change anything about my joy? Should that change anything about my outlook on life? No, it should not. And if it does, then I'm thinking on those things, not on the things God wants me to think on. Follow what I'm saying? So we need to take every thought into captivity. Second Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations and everything high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now this is a hard thing to practice. And it will take a lifetime, I'm becoming convinced, to master. And that is every thought that comes into my mind to say, stop, is this worth thinking? Is this pleasing God? Is this gonna, does this have eternal benefit? You ask some questions about it. Is this biblical? Is this right? Is this pure? Is this just? Is this of good report? Is this a thought that needs to be in my mind right now? If the answer is no, then why am I dwelling on it? Get it out. Dismiss it. Take it into captivity. Say, that is against God and his word. It needs to stop. All right? We're all adults in the room, and we have several men in here, so I'll just use this as an example. Men, we are naturally visually driven. We have to train our eyes not to allow our eyes to drift where they don't belong on a woman's body, right? That takes a conscious effort. And when you find yourself doing so and those thoughts start crossing your mind, you need to bring it into captivity and get it in check. Am I correct? So let's apply that to everything we do. Here's another way to look at it. Would I be comfortable having this thought and talking to Jesus about it? If the answer is no then it's not a thought we need to let entertain because he already knows. So then it's put on the new, not just to show, but in truth. Changing the outward appearance without the renewing of the mind will not last. Jesus said in Luke 6.45, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. But an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So, Remember the Pharisees, he condemned the Pharisees, said, you're just whited sepulchers. You look all nice on the outside, but you're full of dead man's bones on the inside. Listen, you and I, Christian, need to not put on the phony baloney show of pretending to be what we're not, but we need to allow there be a real change in our hearts and lives. I'll try to move quickly so we can try to get this point done tonight. But not only then in the mind, but what about our will? Well, let's go back to Romans 12. Romans 12. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Prove it. Examine it. Recognize it as genuine. The will of God is, he says, prove it. Test it. See if it's not the right way to go. God's will is good. It means honorable. It's acceptable. It's well-pleasing. It's perfect. It means it's wanting nothing. And so, Christian, you and I need to submit our will to the will of God. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, how do I know the will of God? 
Listen, as you're renewing your mind and thinking the way God wants you to think, he's going to show you and reveal to you his will for you and how, what he wants you to do. 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So the mind, will, and real quickly, the emotions. As you submit to God, seeking his will, and renewing your mind, your emotions then will be right. In other words, we're not to allow our decisions to be controlled by emotion, but rather by the Holy Spirit. May I say, we see this happening all the time. You listen to many presentations, and they are so emotionally driven, you don't even have to have fact anymore. All you got to do is build an emotional case on almost everything. Many of the laws that have been passed have been built on emotional case, emotional thinking. We need to have seatbelts because if we don't have seatbelts, children get thrown from the car. And nobody likes splattered children all over the road. And so, we, you know, it's just a horrible thing. And so the best way to fix this is have seatbelts in the cars, right? I'm not anti-seatbelt, but you get, this was an argument that was brought up, right? Remember all the arguments being brought up about mandatory seatbelts. And then people saying, well, as soon as we have a law saying that there's going to be seatbelts, because remember, they said it's not ever going to be a primary offense. How many people remember that being promised? It will not be, it never be a primary offense. I remember it being promised. What happened within a year of the law being put in place? It became primary offense. How do we get it in place? Emotions. I just use that as one of many examples. Now, we, God did create us with emotions. But as we make decisions in life... I even listen to people. I'm trying to listen more and more. Well, I don't want to do that because it doesn't make me feel good. There's a lot of decisions that I've had to make in life that haven't felt good. You know, how many of us in boot camp could have gotten up the first day of boot camp and say, it doesn't make me feel good doing this? Probably would have not gone over so well, right? <laughs> Our emotions will be in check when we are truly being renewed in our mind. As a matter of fact, instead of being so emotional over what the world has to say, it'll be, as I said, Sunday. Remember I said about Sunday, in Sunday, uh, Sunday's message about lifting up the voice many times, it was connection, in connection with weeping. Now, not all of those instances was it a godly individual re- weeping for the right reasons. But many of them were... Um, weeping over their own sin, weeping over the sin of others, weeping over the condition of their nation. But it's as they saw things from God's eyes, what their emotions were driven by changed. Do you follow what I'm saying? It wasn't about self. It was about how this offends a holy God or the condition of lost man that they will face a Christless eternity. So I'm not saying emotions are wrong, but even our emotions need to be sanctified by God. That makes sense? All right, Lord willing, next week, we'll look at the next part of this, which is sanctified in the body. So if we're wholly sanctified, going back to our verse in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, sanctified in spirit and soul and body, right? And so we're going to look at all three parts and see how God wants us to be holy, sanctified. So let's go ahead and stand, please, and we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer.